be kicking off the, the new year with a series called Start Here. Uh, we're going to be in the, the book of Matthew probably the majority of this year. And we've already started off in it. We started off in Christmas. We're talking about God with us. And, and here's what that's about is God started here. He started here with us. And today I want to talk about how do you experience change in your life. And I want you to know this is how you, you experience change in your life is you start here. You start right where you are. You can't start where you could have been, where you should have been, where you would have been. You can't, be, you can't start where you ought to be. You can't start to where you need to get to. You gotta start right where you are. And God has something fresh that he wants to do in all of our lives. He wants to keep growing us and changing us. And so today, as we kick this off, we're gonna be in Matthew, um, Matthew chapter three. If you wanna open up your Bible there, we're gonna be there in just a few moments. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat right in front of you. You can grab it there um, in, in Matthew chapter 3. We'd love to give you a Bible. Actually, if you don't own one, you can have that one. Um, or you can go out to the New Here area and grab one out there. And we'd love to connect you with some folks you can study the Word of God with. But Matthew chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And so here's what we're talking about. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of heaven. Because Matthew talks about the kingdom of heaven all the time. It's the theme of his gospel. So who is Matthew? Well, Matthew was a tax collector. All right, And to help you understand... now. How many of you really love seeing the tax collector show up? Anybody? Right, like, you know, like if he shows up, even if you've paid your taxes, you're like, I hope I paid them right. You know, uh, I hope that program I paid for was correct and how it told me to pay my taxes, right? Um, now, here's the interesting thing in Scripture, though, is you have to understand this about a tax collectors. The, the, the people of God, the kingdom of Israel, had been defeated by the empire of Rome, and they were being controlled by it and ruled by it. And so a tax collector was someone of the, of the Jewish people of the nation of Israel who in their eyes was a traitor who served the empire of Rome collecting taxes from the people of Israel. That's why often in scripture it says, like when it's talking about people who are, who are living the wrong way, it talks about sinners and tax collectors. It just throws them in together. Don't be like the sinners and the tax collectors, right? So Matthew was a tax collector. And this is one of the guys that Jesus says, I want him to be one of my apostles, the tax collector over there. And he calls him out of the tax collection booth. And he just says, come and follow me. And now we're going to get to that. You know, that's not until Matthew chapter 9. He doesn't start with himself. He starts with who Jesus Christ is and, his, and what he's done. But, and then he begins to just talk about the, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And everything in, 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 in Matthew just goes back to the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. And here's the, the, the main truth I want you to understand about the kingdom of God and how it works is that it is a kingdom upside down. It's totally different. The way that we see things is not the way they work in the kingdom of heaven. The things that are natural to you are not necessarily right and good just because it's natural. Like when God changes you, he changes everything. He turns it upside down. There's a totally different way to live. And here's why it's so different. I have these two pieces from a chessboard with me. This is a, a king and a pawn. All right, now I'm going to tell you this about chess. I'm awful. All right, so my son Daniel uh, went through some, some time. Oh, he still likes to play, but he likes to play chess. And so every once in a while, I'd sit down with him to play. And literally while we're playing, I'd have to say, all right, so what's the name of that piece right there? And what can it do? Can it take out that piece? No, it can't do that. All right, can, you know, like, it's, I didn't have any clue, and I didn't really want to. All right, but, but anyway, so here's, here's what it is. There's a, there's a bunch of pawns, and there's one king. And the pawns exist to, to die for the king. Like the game's not won because you have a palm left. But in the kingdom of God, 
The king dies for the pawn. He who is the greatest gives himself for the least. He who is righteous for the unrighteous. And it's literally everything is upside down. Where, where the one who wants to be the greatest among you, what is he called to be? He's called to be the, the greatest servant among you. He's called to be in the lowest place if he wants to be in the highest place. And it changes everything. And the reason why it changes everything is because the king is the kingdom. If you want to know anything about the kingdom of God, then know the king. And this is who he is. This is how he works. And it's just different. Like it's a totally different way to see things. So actually, I have a couple of volunteers from my ushers who are going to come help me with something. You guys ready? Y'all come on. All right, here we go. Clayton and Brock. All right, so, so I, I found these upside down glasses, all right? And I thought this would be fun to help illustrate this. I saw some of these at, um, at a family gathering. And um, when you put these on, it literally flips everything. All right, so Brock, I need you over on this side. Clayton, I need you over here on this side. All right, and we're going to start with a simple game. All right, so put, put these on. All right, just stand right here. You stand right here. You might want to go ahead and get in place before you put them on. Or you might not. You might find it harder to find your place than you thought it would be. All right? <laughs> Don't throw up. You're not allowed to throw up. All right? All right, so. All right, no, you can't start yet. Hands down, hands down. All right, so I'm going to put this ball here in the middle. Can y'all even see it? All right. All right, good. You got to figure it out. So you got to pick up the ball and put it in your cup. What are, you're cheating. Hold on. Yeah, I didn't say go yet. All right, hands down. Hands down by your side because it's a race. On your mark, set, go. In my cup? Yep. <laughs> All right, very, very good. All right, so that's the start. Now, we're going to see if we can do this. All right, now I'm going to give both of you two rings. All right. All right, now, here, I'm going to see. One, two. You got to step right back here. All right. Now you're going to step back. Let's go right back here. All right, so here's your two rings. All right, when I say go, y'all are racing to see who can get both rings thrown onto that. Yep, throw it. Go. Ooh, Brock got one. Brock, you're killing my illustration. Um, you're being entirely. All right, so we got one more. Y'all can take them off for a second. All right, take them off for a second so you don't, you can take them off for a second. All right, now what I need both of you to do is to write your first and last initial on the page. Oh, no, you can't take the top off right now because you have your glasses off. That'd be way too easy. All right, so the, the race is won after you write both of your initials and put the cap back on the pen. All right, put them on. All right. On your mark, it's set, go. All right, now write your initials. Yeah. Dang it. All right. Y'all still made it look too easy. You're killing me. All right. All right, so give me the glasses back. Y'all give them a hand. Yeah, you can move this stuff for me. All right, so, but here's, here's, the, here's the thing. When, you're, when things are upside down, they just, they're different. Like, I don't know if y'all can tell, like, they're just trying to get their spacing going. Like, when you have those, when you have those glasses on, um, like, everything's just harder to find. It's just different. There's a different perspective, okay? And, um, when you give your life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, there's going to be a different perspective. And there's going to be some things that just don't seem right. And there's some things that aren't right. There's going to be some things that are right that you don't understand why they're right. You know, and there's just going to be some change that goes on. And man, it just takes it. And here's, I guess, why I want people to understand. It takes a complete reorientation. It's not how you see one thing. It's how you see everything. 
if Jesus Christ is king of your life. So there's three things I want us to talk about. I'm gonna come back to these three things over and over again as we go through Matthew, and it's these three things. There is an ethos or a culture to the kingdom. And in the kingdom of heaven, there is humility, there is authenticity, and there is a simplicity. There's a humility because he who is the king gave himself for us. There is an authenticity. He's real. He's called us to be real. And there's just a simplicity. Some of you, if we're not careful, sometimes in religion, we like to complicate things so we can avoid obeying things. If I make it complicated enough, then I can excuse why I'm not doing it. And it is simple. The kingdom of God is way more simple than sometimes we will allow it to be. The second thing is there's an ethic to the kingdom of, uh, uh, of God. There's, these, there's this ethic, and it's this. It's where the, the, the least is the greatest and where the last is the first, and it's this ethic which we're gonna get to. It's that the, the, the citizens of the kingdom of God, the followers of Christ, never seek with their life simply what God allows. They seek what God desires. And there's a difference between what God allows and what God desires. And that's who we've been called to be. And the, the third thing is that there's an economy in the kingdom of God. And it's an economy of reward, not of return. Where you put yourself and you live yourself in a position where you can ask, where you can receive, where you can be rewarded, but you're not living simply to gain. And it's different because we live in an economy that's about gain. That's the world we live in. But this is an economy where you live in a position that God can reward you. So in Matthew chapter three, starting in verse one, it says this, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. So we're going to start with John the Baptist. I'm going to stop here for a moment. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. Um, and he is the fulfillment of a prophecy. Um, out of Isaiah 43, um, or uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, where it says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. He is the promised Elijah, the one who is going to come before the one who is going to come. That had been prophesied that there would be a messenger who would come before the Messiah. And that's John the Baptist. Now, I want, I want you to just consider uh, a few things uh, that he says, though. First is repent. So, what does that word mean? You know, I think it's probably one of the words and truths of Scripture that gets said way too little. It's just, it's a word that ought to be said all the time. It should be on our tongue all the time. When we're talking with one another and we're sharing struggles, anybody, you know, you got good friends, hey man, I need to share some stuff I'm struggling with, which what you really mean is, hey, I'm sinning. All right? You know what a, a friend who loves Jesus ought to ask you? Have you really repented? Like, I'm not telling you did, you, did you admit it? I'm asking you, did you repent of it? That's a good friend in Jesus right there. Because here's what repentance is. It's to be going in one direction and to turn and go in a completely different direction. It's to be doing one thing and it's to stop doing that thing that is wrong. And when you turn around, you don't just stop doing the, things that is, the thing that is wrong. You start doing the thing that is right. That's what repentance is. Everybody with me? So he said, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here. You can touch it. And why is it at hand? Well, we've already talked about this. It's because we have Emmanuel, God, with us because Jesus is here. That's why it's at hand. Because the king of kings and lord of lords took on flesh and dwelt among us. That 
that he might give his life for us, that we might find our life in him, that he might die on a cross and be raised from the dead so that we might know his righteousness in his life. It's at hand. It's right here. That's the hope that we have. So it goes on in Matthew chapter 3, and it says, Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going to him, and they were baptized by him in the, in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So a couple of things real important here. All right, first of all, John the Baptist was a unique individual. Like camel hair was not the common garment of the day, right? Like it was not fashionable. It's not like people were going out, hey, look at this cool guy wearing camel hair and a belt that eats wild honey and locust. He was odd. He was different. And, and I do want you to hear this. As much as we're going to talk about how God changes us, like he's still John the Baptist. Right? There's some things that are true of him. They're just different. All right. The other thing why I think it's important is God didn't dress him up in a, in a cloak and tunic, which was the dress of their day, which is what all the people in Jerusalem were wearing. He didn't, make them, he, he didn't have to look like them. Like He didn't change all of those things, but these people came and saw him anyway because God was at work in what John the Baptist was doing. And then he was, he was, people were confessing their sin and being baptized in the River Jordan. Um, which, by the way, is not the like, cleanest water you've ever seen, right? Like, you know, it's not like, hmm, that looks like a nice fresh spring. Let me get into that, okay? Um, but man, people were very sincere about what was going on. But here's the other thing, and I don't want this to be lost. Like, the nation of Israel, the people of God, had gone through 600 years where they were not hearing from God. There had been no prophet. They were hopeless. Most of the the majority of them weren't even really looking for the Messiah anymore. Like, there's still some, but the majority of them had just quit looking. Like, man, like God's done with us. And now here's this prophet. But here's the difference in the repentance. The people of God, the nation of Israel, had repented over and over and over again, which means that they had not really repented. If you understand what repentance is, okay? But they, they got to those places over and over and over and over and over again because they, they weren't really changing, all right? But this was individual, not corporate. He's not baptizing the nation. He's baptizing a person. And the kingdom of, of God's grace and the covenant of God's grace is something we must respond to individually and personally. And then, it's interesting what happens next. He says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism. By the way, these are the religious leaders who were lording the law over people instead of leading people to the Lord by the law. They were lording the law over people, not using the law to lead people to the Lord, all right? When he saw them come out, this is what he said to them. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In other words, what he's saying is your heritage, your mom and dad and their faith, the history is not going to save you. Something that God's doing and it's at hand in this kingdom. Faith of your parents and grandparents is not your hope. Your hope is Jesus. And what is your relationship to him? And 
are you, are you going to repent? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Just, and to, we're going to talk about this. That, that, that the change that the Lord makes in our life is real. Fruit should be born. And then it says this. He ends with this. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hands, and he will gather his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. He's talking about Jesus. I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. See, because there's, there's two things that are going on here. John the Baptist has a message, and John the Baptist is a man. All right? And, and who we are, there's a message in that too. But I want you to understand that the, the message of John the Baptist is there is a man and I am not that man. There is one who is coming and I am not him. And we're going to see him in the next part of the story. He's actually going to ask John the Baptist to baptize him. He's going, oh, I can't do that, right? Because Jesus is coming. So this is where we find ourselves in the story. And so there's two things I want to talk about real quickly. The first of all is the message of John the Baptist. And it's this. This is what repentance is. Start new. Start new. Not, not get better. Start new. Not try to dress up what is old and dead, but let God give to you life and hope. Like, start brand new. When, when, when Jesus Christ is king of our life and he turns everything upside down, that we get an opportunity to start new. And so the reason why some of you are not changing is because all you've ever brought to the Lord is this thing you won't change and not this thing that he's going to change. This is what repentance is. And you've got to be willing to start new. And starting new can be a little scary. Yeah. And the second thing that, that what the man John the Baptist teaches us is be you. God has not called you to be normal, but he has called you to be new. I don't even know what normal is, right? Like what is normal? Well, there is a norm, right? Like there there's a certain style of clothes that the average person wears, but you don't have to wear those to serve Jesus. Right? There's some things that are norm in a culture. Man, he's calling us to be new. And John the Baptist was different. But God used him in that. But there's this balance that we're going to have to find. And so today, I actually, I'm going to, after preaching the 9 o'clock service, I'm going to flip the sermon around a little bit. I'm going to, I want to get to where I'm going to end. Because I feel like, like there's, I'm fixing to talk about repentance. And it's, it's a, repentance is a hard truth. And I, and I felt like I got the hope that we have uh, too far behind the hard truth. And, and so I just want to, I want to end with this. I'm going I'm to go to the end of the message for just a moment. I want you to hear this, that we're going to talk about giving everything to God, but we give every, the king everything in us because the king gave everything for us. We give the king everything in us because the king gave everything for us. This God with us, this Emmanuel, this hope, this Jesus, he died on a cross. He gave everything. He bore our sin in his body. That sin that you're trying to hold on to, he hung on a cross for it. He gave everything. And I want you to hear hope in that. There's hope in that. He paid the price. See, some of you think repentance is, 
is turning and I'm going to make it all right. He made it new. That's not something you can do. If you could change you, you'd have changed you a long time ago. We have to hold on to this hope. He gave everything for us. He gave everything for everyone. He laid down his life for all of us. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but ever have everlasting life. Actually, 1 John uh, chapter 2, verses 1-2 through two says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, so that you can live in righteousness, you can live out this repentance. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. We have an advocate, a go-between, one who stands in our place before God the Father. And why does he stand there? Because he's the righteous. Any righteousness you have is the righteousness he gave you. This is our hope. But then it goes on to say this. He is the propitiation. He is the atoning sacrifice. He is the price paid for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He didn't leave anyone out. He died for those who hate him. He loves those who hate him. His, his sacrifice for you was never dependent on how you would respond to him. And there's people who get this wrong. I'll tell you this, if you don't get this right about Jesus, you don't get anything right about him. This is our king. And his kingdom's upside down because he doesn't work like you think he does. He loves in a way that we cannot fathom. So before we talk about changing, let's remember that any change is because he was crucified. Any hope is because he hung on that cross and he conquered sin and death and the grave and he gave us life. And in that we respond to this hope we have, this good news, this message so here's the message. If you're going to start new, starting new means starting here. Repentance is location specific. Here's, here's the location of repentance. Right where you are. You cannot repent from where you should have been. See, some of you right now are living a life where you're not experiencing what God wants to do today because you are living in guilt about what you have done wrong yesterday and the day before and the month before and the week before and a year before. You can't go back. Like, let's just get real about it. You're living in a sinful sexual relationship. You can't go back and not start that relationship. You already started it. But you're right here and you can stop. You can repent and experience as new, but you can't go back to where you should have been. Right? Right, so you're a person who lives completely for the dollar bill. Your life is full of greed. You lie about it. You do everything you can. You can't go back to where that started. You can only start with where you are. Like, like some of you, what that means is you're so much in debt, you, you don't even know what to tell. You just dig in that hole. Right, but you got to start. You're in the hole. You can't pretend it's not there. Right, we have to start where we are. I'm going to use something that maybe like, it's just a little bit more maybe practical. We can all relate to it. All right, so, you know, staying in shape, trying to be good. I don't know if anybody else is guilty of this, but I have committed a lot of gluttony in the last month or so. Yeah, I have, yeah. And what came with that is about 17 pounds. 
And so I went for a run yesterday. I ran eight miles yesterday. And you know what hurts? Everything. <laughs> Everything hurts. Because <laughs> you know what? I couldn't take those 17 pounds off to go run eight miles. Like if I want to get in shape, I got to get in shape where I am. I can't go back and put smaller portions on the plate, right? I, I, this is the kind of guilty I am. You know, you go to a family gathering, and they've got the small plates. Like, who brought those? Like, where's the big paper platter, right? Man, but you can't go, you can't just, you got to start where you are. And here's why you get to start where you are. Because God loves you right where you are. But God demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, some of you, it's not about where you should have been. Some of you are saying, you know where I ought to be. I'm going to give my life to Christ when I get it all cleaned up. And I get it all, I, that's when I'll get baptized. I'll get baptized when I get it all nice and clean and I can show to God. You know what? God doesn't need you to show him anything. He showed you everything. And some of you, you you're not starting new because you think, well, I got to get over there before I can start new. You'll never get there. You got to start right here. And that's the hope. The hope that we have is that he loves us right here. It doesn't matter how dark nor desperate your life is. He loves you right where you are. Start here. That's what it means to start new. And if we're going to do that, in the kingdom of God, we have to understand change is real. Like, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Like, when Jesus changes people, he really changes people. So I've talked about being you and allowing who God created you to be, but here's, the, here's, the, here's the, the hard part of repentance and turning your life over to Christ. is You don't get to choose what God changes and what he doesn't. You give him everything. Change is real when we repent. We bear fruit. People can see it. It shows. Repentance is not just sentiment. It is surrender. That we give to the Lord everything. And we allow him to change us. And we allow him to change some things about us we'd rather not change. There's some things that come natural to you. But just because something comes naturally it, it doesn't mean that it's not sinful. You don't get to excuse anything away. Well, that just feels right for me. We give him everything. We give him all of ourselves. You know, the, the reason why we're not really changing is because we're not really repenting. And I want to encourage you with something. I want to challenge you with something right now. Here's what I think happens in a lot of people's spiritual life. This is what's happening. Is what you're saying to the Lord is, Lord, I want to give you these things. All right? Lord, I want to give you these things. But we give the king everything or we give the king nothing. It's not these things. Lord, you get everything. You get all of me. And the hard part about giving the Lord everything is when you give the Lord everything, you don't even know everything you've given the Lord. Like, 
young people, I want you to follow with me on this thought, all right? It's a kirkism, is what Pete would call that, all right? And, and follow me through this thought. So you come to know Christ when you're 10. There's certain things about who you are, certain struggles you're going to deal with that you haven't even seen yet. There's desires you haven't even really experienced yet. And, and you gave the Lord everything, but there's some things in that everything you're not even aware of. Like you haven't even seen them in your life. And so like there's this constant giving to the Lord everything. And, and, and it, hey, it's true for us as, as adults. Like there's some things that we come to like, ah, you know, I'm not sure I ever gave that to the Lord. Like I've just done that on my own. And here's the reality. We give him everything or we give him nothing. Like you don't get to say, Lord, I want you to change this and this and this, but you gotta leave that and that alone. That's not repentance. It's all in or not in. And we trust him with it. And we say, Lord, I want you to change me and I want it to be real. I'm gonna, let's just get real for a moment, all right? So we're gonna start here. Let's start right here where we are. Somebody in the room today is living in a sexually sinful relationship. You want to repent of it. What does that mean? Well, you can't keep living in it. You got to stop. Like, you, you got to start here. You can't go back to where you should have been. You, you can't just pretend that it's all going to be right by where we ought to be, right? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just keep it real with you, all right? Some of you think when you get over here to this wedding that it's an act of repentance. Weddings are an act of repentance. If you want to repent, it's here. It's today. Whatever it is, whether it's gluttony, whether it's selfishness, whether it's greed, um, whatever your sin, you don't, you don't get to, it's here. It's right where we are. And here's the hope we have is he's going to meet you right where you are. And he's going to change you from here. He loves you right here. He doesn't need you to get over there. He loves you right here. This is the hope we have. But this is also why we don't really experience change. Because we're not willing to give him everything. Sometimes admitting where we are is embarrassing. You know what, today I've talked to some folks who are uh, confessing some things. I need some help with some things. You know what I told them? You're going to have to talk to some other folks. You're going to have to get real with somebody. Like, you're going to you're gonna have to let some folks into here. You know what's embarrassing is when God is trying to change things and you think they've changed and they haven't really changed. Anybody else relate to that? I'm going to share a personal story real quick. I didn't get to share this in the first short service because I was going long, but nobody's coming in, so y'all get to stay with me as long as I feel like talking. So, <laughs> And so... Uh, you know, if you've been around here long, you, you've, you've heard me talk about uh, some issues with my competitive nature, all right? I am an incredibly competitive person, and I have been known to be incredibly sinful in the midst of my incredibly competitive stuff, all right? And God's really done a work in me in a lot of ways. Like, I, I, I've been a coach a lot, and I, re I really had to turn some things over to God. Like, you know, I was coaching kids, and I just wanted to win, you know? Like, they're children, right? There's only... You're, <laughs> There's some things you don't, you know, yell as a kid coach, right? And there's just some things you don't do. And so um, my, 
Um, I'm at basketball games for my girls who play high school basketball. And, um, and there's some things that go in the games that just aren't by the rules, right? Like if in girls basketball in our state, if you want a full court press, they just let you foul the whole game. Like it's ridiculous. All right. And, and I'll be honest, I'm right about it. Like it's ridiculous. They're running the way they, by the way they ref. And so I think the referees need my help because obviously they don't know how to do the job, right? And so I'm constantly trying to help them out by pointing out the calls that they're not making, right? By yelling loudly. And my wife doesn't like this. <laughs> Even to the point where she's gotten up to like leave me by myself in the stands. Now I want you to understand, I don't ever like yell, I don't, I'm not cussing at anybody. I don't say berating things. I just point out over and over again the bad calls that they're making. <laughs> and, um, and so like, I'm really frustrated by it. And so, so one day, it actually caused a problem between me and Wendy, because like she wanted to leave, I was like, don't leave, and so we kind of talked about it later at the house, and I'm, but I'm right, and, and then she just looked at me, she said, is that really who you want to be? I was like, shut up. <laughs> I didn't actually say that out loud. Um, <laughs> I'm smarter than that. I just thought it in my head, and um, No, it's not. You know, the hard part for me is just because I'm right doesn't mean I'm right. And I, I love that the Lord's still working on me. And then there's also part of me like, hey, you couldn't leave that part alone. Like, let me have that one thing, right? Like, no, man, I'm going to tell you, man, change is real. But you're never done changing. question is, did you really repent? I told the Lord I gave this part of me a long time ago, but now I'm more aware of some things about me that I wasn't aware of, and he gets those parts too, and I don't like it, but I'm grateful that God loves me right where I am. And he loves you right where you are. So I don't know if this is the first day you come to a place of repentance or if you're like me and you've got to repent of the same type of problem again. The reason why you give him everything is because he already gave everything. Everything. So I don't know what you need to get real with God about today, but that's what this time is for. We're going to be up here to be some leaders. We'd love to pray with you. You can come just kneel down here. There's might be some things you need to surrender today. Just come do it. We're going to sing a song. And you respond. Somebody in the room needs to say, hey, I've never really heard that Jesus loved me that much. I need to give my life to him. We'd love to have that conversation with you. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me now. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing together. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you love us right where we are. But you're not going to leave us there. Like, it's, it's not acceptable. Reveal more of yourself in us every day. Lord, I pray for those who, in the room who don't know you, who've never come to a place of faith, of understanding the grace that's in you, found in you. Lord, I pray that right now they would give their life to you. For those of us who need, need to return in repentance today, that you'd move in our hearts and lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray.